I'm super excited about what the Lord is doing in this body of believers here. As we've been talking about God's plans for his church, and we've been asking uh, the question the last few sessions, uh, uh, and, and you need to look at yourself, am I the real deal? Are we the real deal? Look at your neighbor and say, am I the real deal? That means, am I really what I say I am? Am I really willing to live out my faith in such a way that I don't care who disagrees with me? I'm going to stand on God's word and I'm going to let his word govern and guide my life every day that I live. See, that's the real deal. We talked about Daniel was the real deal. I want to, I want to, um, I ran across this little, uh, this video clip that I want to share with you because I, th- I thought it, it sort of uh, hits home to what we've been trying to, uh, to, to share as we've been going through this study on God's plan for his church. And we know that you guys should know this, what the mystery of Christ is, right? And it's the fact that God's plan all along was to bring Jew and Gentile together into one body. Amen. Can I get a witness? Let me put it to you in modern day 2021 terms. God's plan all along was to bring every ethnic group into one body, the body of Christ. Because he prayed and he taught us how to pray. Uh, It says, pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of the things that we know, we don't know everything that's happening in heaven, but God, Revelation, John, the revelators gave us a glimpse of what is happening. And one of the things that we do know that Men from every tongue, tribe, and nation, uh, every nationality will be around the throne of God, worshiping our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. And if that's happening in heaven, and Jesus says, I pray that it happens down here, then we need to make sure that we are not hindering it from happening down here. Can I get two amens in the house today? So I thank God for that. But listen to this, because listen, when, I told you all before, when you start doing the word of God, your faith is going to be challenged. And sometimes we are challenged and we're going to see in the book of Daniel, sometimes we're challenged and God allows challenges to come in our life to reveal what's really in our heart. Because sometimes we can think we someplace that we're really not. And we won't know until we're tested. It's easy to say I love everybody until you have to love some folks who are unlovable. Can I get a witness up here? Oh, I just love everybody until somebody comes in who's kind of obnoxious. Some of y'all may have had to love some obnoxious of kinfolk over the Thanksgiving holidays. And your love was tested. You're talking about I love everybody until you got to deal with them. But watch this clip and, and we'll come back because I think it speaks to what we've been dealing with about the ethnicities learning that we are one in Christ and that we have no right as, as a born-again believer, to exclude anybody. Listen to this right quick, and we'll be right, right back with you. The neighborhood that I grew up in wasn't an environment conducive to um, being friendly with um, other races because it was a predominantly black area, and um, we didn't have a lot of contact with you know other races. The little contact that we did have, it was pretty much negative, especially um, the white officers in our neighborhood, you know, how they come in, crooked cops, you know, cops who was very violent towards, you know, women in the apartments. You know, not all cops are like that, but that's what we saw. And so, unfortunately, we placed that type of, you know, value on other white people that we were coming in contact with. I think what God did for me is he... um, allowed my heart to be opened because um, when I left that environment, I got a chance to see people who were different, uh, who did not uh, fit the mold of what I grew up seeing. And this is where I met um, Brandon. I always thought my husband was going to be a six-foot bald head, chocolate, you know. <laughs> you know, I already envisioned him, you know, what he was going to look like. And then God was like, mm-mm. That's him. And I was like, but but he's only 5'10", and Lord, he's white. His grandmother wrote him a nice long letter that gave him a lot of reasons why it's not a good idea to date me um, because I was black, and if we got married, she wouldn't be there. His father 
was a minister. Um, I think that hurt me the most um, because he represented Christ and he represented God, but I wasn't good enough for his son because I was black. Brandon's dad, God touched him in a, in a way that was um, tremendous. And God told him that I have given you a gift in Vonda in faith and you are not accepting my gift. We had a come to Jesus meeting, just me and him, nobody else. He was very apologetic. And he, his heart was opened, his eyes were opened, and now he calls me daughter. Um, same thing too with his grandmother. She grabbed my hand, she embraced me, she was tearful. And she said, I hope one day you'll be able to call me, you know, grandmother. And it was really special. I am um, extremely grateful um, that God interrupted my life and put me in a place where I get to love people who I would have never thought that I could love. And those prejudices that I had would have separated me from his love. This young lady, as you see, had some, some thoughts that were cultivated by her environment of growing up. And many of you all sitting here today have faults in your mind that are cultivated by the environment which you grew up in. And what I'm telling you as your pastor and what the Bible speaks to the fact is it doesn't matter what it you. Let me back up. Your family of origin and your and your roots can affect how you think. And that's why the Bible says we got to renew ourselves. We got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. As we go to Daniel chapter number one, we're going to see where God, uh, in his effort to deal with his chosen people, uh, begins to do something uh, or allow some things to happen in their life. Specifically, his, his discipline of them involved leading them into captivity so that he could get them to start looking back toward him. I tell you before, guys. You don't really know what you believe until what you believe, what you say you believe is tested. Are y'all listening to me today? You don't really know or you're not, you're not really sure if you really love your spouse unconditionally until your spouse does something that hurts you deeply. Let me come to this side over here. It's easier for me to say that I love you and, and, and with the love of the Lord until you do something that offends me or hurts me. Then now, how is my love manifested? God places us, I believe, strategically in situations to test where, to show us, he already knows, but to show us where our hearts are. Are y'all with me? Until we start doing this study on building a multi-ethnic church, some of y'all didn't notice some stuff was in your heart. If the Lord don't help me. That's that's one of the old hymns of the church. I can't stand this. Listen, what I'm saying is sometimes we don't really know what's in here until we are tested. Because what we say we are sometimes is not what we really are or who we really are. You saw in the video, uh, the, the, the lady mentioned about her father-in-law was a pastor. And God had to deal with his heart because I'm sure that pastor probably got up in his service and, and preached on countless occasions. Everybody is welcome. We treat everybody the same until somebody don't look like you says, I want to marry your son. And then we try to explain it away. But God is going, if you belong to him, what he's going to do is he's going to test you to show you what's in your heart. Because we are in self-deception a lot of times. The Bible says this, every man will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Are you the real deal? I want to know, are you the real deal? Daniel was, let's get back to the book of Daniel right quick. Hallelujah. Now, some of y'all are shocked right now, so come out of your shock and let's get into the word of God. Because I want to challenge you. As your pastor, I'm going to challenge you to be the very best ambassador for Christ that you can possibly be. While we're here on this earth, none of us are perfect, true enough, 
But we ought to be evolving. We ought to be growing. And as we see word, then it's our responsibility to do word. Amen. When, when word is revealed to us, then we have a responsibility as a born again believer to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving our own selves. So let's get back here. Daniel chapter number one. Are y'all ready to roll? I gave you should have your, uh, your sermon outlines. We talked about a lot of different things on last week on Daniel's background. So I'm going to try to hit it uh, here. Uh, let's start with we know that Daniel uh, and well, let's start at verse number one. I, I don't want to I don't want to miss it. Verse number one. Are y'all there? Let's read together. It says, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. In other words, when he besieged that means he surrounded it. He came to do battle. But look what the text says in the next verse. It says what? The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Who gave him victory? Who gave him victory over God's people? Who gave him victory over God's people? See, the Lord, in his effort to deal with his people, allowed his people, because of their disobedience and their weightlessness, caused them, allowed them to be taken into captivity because he's trying to still protect the seed. I shared with you on last week that God, in order to interject himself into human history, he had to come through a man. He had to choose a nation, a people group to come through, to birth the Savior into the earth realm. And he chose the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. Again, we see Judah here because we knew the nation of Israel was divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Eight, uh, uh, ten tribes in the north and then two in the south. And we see Judah was one of those southern tribes here that God is dealing with. In this issue, because they 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 went away from his commandments, they they start whoring after other gods, and God has to deal with his people. I told you on last week, and I want you to make a mental note of this. If you need to write it down, write it down, or, or go back and view the, the 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 message later on. But I told you on last week, God would rather have his people living in captivity in a pagan land than living like pagans in the holy land and disgracing his name. Oh, y'all listen to me today. So, so, we, so, so God allowed this to happen. Look at the next verse, verse three and four. Let's go. It says what? Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Verse four says what? Select only what strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. How many of y'all brothers would, be in that, would have been in that number? I want to know. How many of y'all brothers would have been in that number? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. We're going to grandfather all of us in. Strong, healthy, good-looking young men. They said young men, Brother KD. (laughs) Young men. Listen, isn't it amazing how perspective changes over the years? Damn, when 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 I was 20, I thought 58 was old. Until I got to be 58. Come on. And now, you know, I, I, I jokingly tell my wife, 58 is the new 28. But I do believe this, guys, that, that the older you get should not mean that you go somewhere and crawl up in a hole and just w- wait to die. I think our best years are ahead of us with the wisdom that we have. Are y'all with me today? So just because you're north of 50 don't mean you're dead. God can still use you for kingdom purposes. As a matter of fact, the wisdom that you learn, you should be teaching others that are coming in behind you. Because they think they know, but they, a lot of stuff they just don't know. Oh, they, 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 they scoff at your wisdom that you give, even from the Bible, because they think they know better than you. But just tell them to keep on living as they tell us. He says, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. He said, make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. 
Now, I, I told you on last week, and we, we, we left off here, I said there's some key application concepts that we learned from looking at Daniel's life and from the book of Daniel. And the first thing we said was, uh, is we have to recognize and respond affirmatively to God's work of discipline in our life. We have to recognize, first of all, recognize and uh, respond in the affirmative to God's work of discipline in our lives. How many of y'all have ever been getting a whipping by God but didn't know you were getting a whipping by God until you came out of the whipping? Anybody, when you look back up and say, you know what? The Lord was purging me. He was taking me through a process because there were some things in me that I didn't know were in me and he had to deal with me to bring the stuff in me that I didn't even realize that was in me. Some of y'all didn't know that you had uh, a little bit of prejudice in, in you until you started to deal with people who didn't look like you. And I'm going to tell you something. Either you're going to be the real deal and look at life from God's perspective and be a man or woman of faith or you're going to do life on your own. Because I'm going to tell you something. God is a God of love and God loves all people. He is not a respecter of person. He's not a respecter of ethnicity. He is a respecter of faith. But if you're going to follow God, if you're going to go with God, you better learn to love people. Because God, God, God's not going to have you hanging out with him with you hating people. Are y'all with me today? But some of us don't know what's in us. That's why I'm asking you the real deal. Because when you go through a valley experience, that's going to show me that's going to show you whether or not you're really the real deal. I, I, said, I said this all along. I don't really know that you're really in connectivity with me, that you love me unconditionally until we go through something together. I don't really know that. I don't really know that you really, uh, 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 we, we're really connected until we have to grow, go through something together. All of you married couples out there, I'm sure, have been through some stuff. Some stuff you tell and some stuff you wouldn't dare tell. And when you walk through some things with your spouse and when you go through some hard times, some valid experiences, and you, and, and, and you see that unconditional love displayed, now you get a visual manifestation of God's love for us. The world will only see the love of God as it's revealed through the life of those who profess to know God. That's why God wants to use you to reach men. He, he, didn't, cho- he didn't choose angels to deliver his message. He chose men. To share his message of love for all people. Amen? Can I get a witness? So, so we got to, first thing we learn is we got to recognize and respond affirmatively to God's work of discipline in our lives. Because whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. Why is he chastening us? Because he's trying to get, he's trying to perfect us. He's trying to mature us, to get us to a place in him where he can use us, amen, to advance his kingdom principle. I shared with you when we started this series that it's critically important for each one of us to recognize that, that, that God calls on, on us to live uh, as Christians in his kingdom. We should live according to kingdom principles, which means that kingdom principle, uh, if you're operating in the kingdom, there must be a king. Christ Jesus is our king. And he gives us his word to govern our life. And the word, if the word, if it's in the word, I want to do it. If it's not in the word, I don't want to do it. So if I'm a part of his kingdom and God is going to use me to advance kingdom principles, I need to know what the king has to say. And that's where his word, the word comes in. So, so recognize and respond affirmatively to God's word. Because we talked about last week that God disciplined David. Uh, and God disciplines us when we go astray, and he's, we, it's important for us to examine ourselves. Some, some of the things that God does when he judges in our life wouldn't happen if we would judge it ourselves. What do you mean by judge it yourself, Pastor? What I mean by that is, is all of us should take the time to do self-evaluation. And guys, I'm going to tell you, if, if you're honest, that's one of the toughest things to do, right? Because it's easy for me to preach about your sin. It's easy for me to see what's wrong in your life, but it's much more difficult for me to see what's happening in my life. Am I right about it? How many of y'all, how many of y'all, how many of y'all know it's easy for 
uh, even us, us corporately preach about the sin in the other church, but don't see the sin that's happening in our church. It's easy for you to, to point out the sins of your spouse and say what's wrong with him, but it's harder for you to admit what's wrong with you. Even when we gather 10 people together and everybody of your 10 friends say, you mean? I ain't mean. Yes, if 10 of your friends say that, you probably are mean. So deal with your meanness. It's harder for us to admit that. But guys, I'm telling you, when we learn to examine ourselves and, and, and we, when we examine ourselves, we look at our lives and see what's wrong. And then we judge it and make a course correction. We repent. All right. So, again, remember this. Recognize and respond affirmatively to God's work of discipline. Like, don't become bitter when God has to discipline you. Look and see what God is doing and what he's trying to correct in your life. Amen. Second thing that we said in, in the outline is this. Resolve to always be a person of integrity. Go to the eighth verse of this chapter of First Daniel. Hallelujah. So, so the, the, the king had assigned. Um, well, let, let's back up. Let's go to uh, go back to verse number uh, five. Verse five. Let's walk through it right quick. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Again, remember, when they, when they captured uh, uh, Daniel and, and these boys, they brought them into uh, a, a training program to get them indoctrinated into Babylonian culture. All right? And part of that training process was going to cause a call for them to violate what God told them not to do at this particular dispensation. All right. Under this old covenant dispensation and dispensation is just a fancy word for the way God dealt with mankind in human history at that particular point in time. There are two different. You know, we have old covenant dispensation and we have new covenant dispensation. And if you're not if you don't take the Bible in context, you'll try to take something that was meant for old Testament dispensation and bring it into new covenant dispensation. In other words, stuff like, well, you can't eat certain foods. Or you're sinning, you're sinning and you're going to hell. Because when you look at what happened in Old Testament dispensation, you're trying to map that over into New Testament dispensation. Can I get one witness up in here? Since, since, since I'm on that, uh, since all of y'all ate real good, uh, I need to see the hands of everybody that ate real good on Thursday. I know I did. I fared sumptuously. Now, I did not overeat because overeating is gluttony. How many of y'all know gluttony is a sin? All right. How many of y'all need to repent today? Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. But, but again, if you, if you take a scripture out of context and don't even understand what dispensation is, you'll try to take something that was meant for Old Testament dispensation for the nation of Israel and try to map it over into New Covenant dispensation. Go over right quick to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Watch this. 1 Timothy 4. Can I teach this morning? 1 Timothy 4 and verse 4. Through five. Let's get that right quick. First Timothy chapter number four. And we're going to look at verses four and five. Paul again writing to Timothy. Listen to what he says here. He says, since let, I tell you what, go back to verse number one. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Go, go to verse number one. We start. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that now the Holy Spirit tells us how clearly. He tells us how. Clearly. Clearly is an adverb, okay, that's telling you how he's telling us. He tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. How many of y'all find it to be true today? They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. If you're following any teaching that tells you that based on how you look on the outside, that you are superior to anybody else, that's a demon. That is demonic in nature. He says, they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Look at the next verse. Verse 2 says what? These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. Verse, verse, verse 3, they will say, 
they will say it is wrong to be married. Now listen, can I park it for a second? Because you had a bad experience does not mean that the institution of marriage is bad. You just had a bad experience. You, had a, you chose wrong. All right, come on. Can I get amen? amen? The Bible says marriage is honorable and all in the bed under fire. So the, the institution of marriage is not wrong. It's those who are in the institution that are wrong. Now, hear me carefully. Because what will happen is you'll tell somebody else, child, I wouldn't do it. Don't do it, dummy. Like Fred Sanford, any of y'all watching this, the Fred Sanford episode, he tell them out, don't do it, dummy. <laughs> Quit telling people that. But what you ought to do as a believer is, 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 is counsel them and say, listen, like I told you on last week, you need to go through premarital counseling before you decide to get married. Before you tell anybody, go to premarital counseling to see if you're ready to be married God's way. Okay? But he says they will say it's wrong to be married. And wrong to eat certain foods. Who's going to say this? Back up. Can we take it in context? Back up to that pre-verse. The, these people are hypocrites and liars and their conscience are dead. These are people in the last day. Go back to verse, one, go back to verse number one. Come on, let's go. See, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some, everybody say some. some. Say not all, not but some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Now skip down to verse number three with him right quick. Come on, we gotta we gotta move. It says they will say, those who, who left the faith, they will say it's wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Now here's what happens. I told you before, people take Old Testament dispensation. And not understanding that God dealt with mankind in a certain way in a certain season because he was bringing the seed in the manifestation in, the, in, in, in Bethlehem, amen, one, one, we say one Christmas morning. See, he was bringing that and he was protecting the seed. And all those, those dietary restrictions, those type things were given. But now we're in new covenant dispensation. So when you try to marry Old covenant dispensation with new covenant dispensation, you will get confused. Old covenant dispensation is true, but understand how God was dealing with mankind at that time. All right? So they, they will say it's wrong to be, to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Look what he says in verse 4 and 5. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject. What did that just say? We should not reject what? Any of it, but receive it with thanks. How many of y'all eat deer meat? This us. How many of y'all have, have ever eaten a squirrel? Oh, y'all some country folks up in there. How many of y'all ever eaten a raccoon? Or if you say in the country, a coon. How many of y'all eat alligator? Yeah. How many of y'all eat baby back ribs? Here we go. Here we go. Don't misunderstand what he's saying. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. Again, there were some who were rejecting uh, certain dietary foods because they thought it made them righteous to not eat certain things. And now the righteousness of God is not wrapped up in what you eat, what you wear, what you drink, but it's wrapped up in Jesus Christ our Lord. Watch this, watch this, watch this. It says, it says, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. Next verse, verse 5 says, what? For we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and by prayer. In case you're still confused, go to 1 Corinthians 8 chapter. I'm talking about understanding dispensations and understanding that you can't pluck a scripture out of context and make it say what you want to say to fit what you already believe before you ever go to the word of God. 
First Corinthians, the eighth chapter. I don't know who this is for today, but the Holy Spirit says this pocket for verse First Corinthians, the eighth chapter, verse number eight. Glory to God. See if we can get that right quick. It says, "It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do." This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. All right? And he's talking about, because there were some who were, who were arguing that, that certain diets were necessary because what they were doing, they were trying to mix, they were trying to mix the tenets of Judaism with the new covenant dispensation of Christianity. And they were trying to mix it and saying, it's Jesus plus all this stuff. It's Jesus plus uh, circumcision. It's Jesus plus uh, not cutting your hair. It's Jesus plus this. And I'm going to tell you today, it is Jesus alone that gets us saved. It's not what we do, but it's receiving his work. Go to, go to the 10th chapter of this very same book, and I'm going to let you go. Because I, I, on this part, hey, I ain't letting you go yet. Y'all know better than that, right? First Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse number 31. Let's look at Verse 31 of that same chapter. Glory to God. Guys, it's so important that we take time to study the word of God ourselves. So he says this. So whether we eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If you decide you're not going to eat certain things, then cool. But don't make that a doctrine or a, a necessary point of salvation. If you decide that pork meat is not for you, then don't eat pork meat. But don't bother me when I got my big ribs in front of me. That's all I'm saying. Because I do have that privilege. Now, again, y'all understand if if, if there's some issues going on health-wise, listen to your your doctor and uh, don't kill yourself. Amen. But but understanding this conversation is real important. So get back. Let's get back to, to Daniel chapter number one. Daniel was consistently a man of integrity and this integrity was evident to all who came in contact with him. I I shared with you on last week how uh, Daniel along with Noah and Job were consistently pointed out as being righteous men, okay? He was consistently a man of integrity, all right? The Bible speaks a lot about what it means to be a person of integrity. Uh, Let's let's, let's, let's go back to Daniel uh, Chapter number one, look at verse eight. Let's let's walk down through it. I I had to share that with you because now when we see this happening in Daniel, understand that it's happening under Old Testament dispensation as God dealt with his people at that point in time. Okay? So we got it. We notice the the Bible is a love story of God's interaction with the human mankind. And so we, we, we know the purpose. We know what God was trying to do. His plan was to bring us together in Christ. All right. So, 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 but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat those unacceptable foods. Now, again, under Old Testament dispensation, under Old Covenant dispensation, it, God had told them not to partake of this. Because one of the things that God was very protective of of His people was when they interacted with heathen nations. It was about their their heathenism. Not their ethnicity is the fact that they, they were not pursuing the true and the living God. Many times God would, would, would forbid his people from interacting with them, even intermarrying with them, not because of their ethnicity, but because they didn't know the true and living God. All right. So, so, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for, for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Next verse, let's read. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and what? An affection for Daniel. Guys, I don't care where you are, what situation you find yourself in. Here we see Daniel in the midst of Babylonian captivity, and now he's got respect and favor from the guy who's over him. It doesn't matter where you are. Listen to him. You may be in a work environment right now. You find it less than conducive for you. But... Be known as a person who's respected and well thought of because you work hard as unto the Lord. 
Don't be known as a whiner and a complainer. Don't be known as the person who always shows up late and leave early. Be a person who's living out your faith in such a way that people see the God in you and you'll receive favor from not only God, but from man also. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Next verse, let's read. He said, but he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youth your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. So this guy's in a predicament now. But, but because Daniel was a man of integrity, we see some things that are going to happen here. Watch the text says. Uh, it says, Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Uh, that's commonly referred to, we, we, we'll do the Daniel fast from time to time around here, right? Uh, and this is modeled after what Daniel ate during this time in Babylon in captivity. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. Text says the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. The Bible says this at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. Next verse says this. So after that, the attendant fed them only what? Vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. Text says God gave these four young men. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. These dudes were smart. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. 18 through 20. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. Text says this, the king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Verse 20 says this, whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring what? Wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and the enchanters in this entire kingdom because they were walking under the wisdom of God. When you're walking under the wisdom of God and doing life under the wisdom of God, People will come to you to ask you questions about certain issues in life. Now, guys, again, Daniel uh, was was a person of integrity. The second point we make is resolve to always be a person of integrity. Go to 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, with me right quick. And verse number 16. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, verse number 16. And watch what the text says here. Resolve to always be a person of integrity. Now, again, when you are a person of integrity, that means that when nobody is watching you, when nobody's around, what do you do? Do you take that ream of paper from the copy room at work and take it home without permission? It's just paper. Take it home from work so that your child can print their report off for school. With your businesses, resources, assets. Well, Pastor, you're being a little fickle with that. Let me tell you, I believe that certain things happen in our life and they're only just a test to see if you're going to do it God's way, if you're going to be a man and woman of integrity. And let me say something also. Understand this. When people are observing you, especially when it comes to work environments and promotions and that type of thing or ministry, people aren't going to just tell you that they're watching you to see if you're a man and woman of integrity. Because if I tell you I'm watching you, then you're going to do it because you know I'm watching you. I want to know what you're going to do when nobody's around. I want to know what you say about your church when your past ain't around. I don't really care what you say about me when I'm not around because I told you on last week, I'm not here to please people. I'm here to please God. Are y'all with me? So I've already told you that, that sometimes you need to be kind of upset with me. 
Why do you say that, Brother Pastor? Because I'm going to deal with your stuff. I'm, I'm going I'm to preach the word of God. And the word of God deals with all of our stuff. So, so I know human nature. Human nature is if you deal with my stuff, I'll get a little upset with you. But if you deal with Essie's stuff, talk about Essie, Pastor. Talk about it. Talk about it. Tell her. If you deal with Charles' stuff, oh, preach it, Pastor. Preach it. Mm-hmm. Look at Charles over there squirming his seat. Say it again, Pastor. We're so vain sometimes that we'll, 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 we'll rejoice when something is hitting somebody who we know is hitting. But what about when the truth comes to your house? I'm going to love you enough to tell you the truth, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it in love. I'm not going to be mean, but I'm going to say it in love. Is that fair enough? Do you want a pastor who's going to placate to you? Or do you want, do you want one who's going to preach you the unadulterated word of God? I, I got a few amens on it. What, what, do you want one that's going to preach you the unadulterated word of God yeah. without fear or trepidation? I'm not trying to be politically correct. And many of our churches have, have started preaching politics rather than the word of God. We're going to stay with the word, okay? Watch this. But thank God he has given he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. This is Paul talking to the church of Corinth. Next, uh, are we at uh, 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, verse 17? He says, Titus, welcome our request uh, that he visits you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. Text says this, we are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as the preacher of the good news. Watch the text. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem. A service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. He says, we are traveling together to guard against, watch this, to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. First of all, Paul's, Paul's talk, Paul talks about the fact that when, when you come together and the carry this generous gift. This is financial support for the church. And he sends a man of integrity. And they come together so there won't be any criticism. You know, I was in banking industry for, for a number of years. And one of the things that uh, we would do whenever you go into the money vault, you remember this, Yvonne, uh, they had what they call dual control. Dual control is for the protection of those who are going in there because if I go in there by myself and something comes up missing, who are they going to point the finger at? Me. But if I got somebody going in there with me and we count this cash out together, then now, unless we in cahoots, uh, then now we got protection because you can say, well, no, I, nobody took anything out of there, okay? So dual control. Since we're traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. Next verse says what? We are, what? Careful to be honorable before the Lord. But we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. All right, now watch this. It's not enough for you to say, well, me and God are all right. And everybody else think you're a scoundrel. Because he says we are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. There's a certain way you ought to do things. And I'm going to tell you all something, guys. People are watching you. They're watching everybody who names the name of Christ. And how you behave and how you do life is a, is, is, is a, is a reflection of what's going on on the inside of you. Honorable. Next verse. Let's read. Come on, let's go. He says, we are also sending with them another of our brothers who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is. He is now even more enthusiastic because of this great confidence in you. Next verse says what? If anyone asked about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches and they bring honor to Christ. What Paul is doing now is he's vouching for these guys. Because they were men of honor and men of integrity. Can people vouch for you? Are you known to be a liar? Y'all do know there are liars in the church, right? Otherwise, the Bible would say, lie not one to another. Just take it out if, if everybody was truthful. But it says, lie not one to another. 
Do you not remember when you lie to your brothers in Christ, you're lying to yourself because we're all part of the body of Christ? He says, so show them your love and prove to all the churches that, that are boasting about you. Show, so show them your love and prove to all the churches that our boasting about you is justified. Listen, I brag on this church from the standpoint of I believe it's one of the best churches on this side of heaven. And, and some other pastors can say the very same thing. I, I believe that. But don't have me bragging on you and you out there cutting up. And by the same token, I don't want you bragging on me and I'm out there cutting up. When somebody asks you, who's your pastor? You're like, mm. uh, let's, let's just say, you know, I go to a church up in Benton. Mm. I would hope that you could say that my pastor is a man of integrity. He's not perfect, but he ain't going to cheat you. He's not perfect. We're not going to go around saying stupid stuff. Yes, I said stupid stuff. Show them your love. Show them your love. Show them your love. Love is an action word. It needs to be seen and not just talked about. Are y'all listening to me? Show, he says, so show them your love and prove to all the churches that are boasting about you is justified. They were known as people. The Bible speaks a lot about it. Go with me right quick to Proverbs, if you will, the 28th chapter. Resolve to always be a person of integrity. Now, again, listen, listen to me carefully. Integrity generally shows up in private or when not necessarily in the public sphere. And, 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 and it should show up in the public sphere. But, but what I'm talking about is how are you when when your church family is not around. I, actually, you, I, I would challenge you to ask my wife, and she's not going to lie for me. Okay? Uh, I, I think she will tell you that, that 99.9.999% of the time, because nobody's perfect, and I would, I would be the last one, Cody, to talk about me being perfect. I'm not perfect. But I think she would tell you that. Well, let me back up. I'm going to be a man of integrity. That's what I chose to do. I slip up sometimes, mess up? Yes. But my lifestyle should not be characterized as being a liar. Have I told a lie since I've been saved? Yes, I have. And you have too, if you're honest about it. It's one of them little white lies. We call it a little white lie as if a lie has degrees to it. In other words, some of y'all have, have even brought your children into your lying hood. Mama, ain't sat on the phone. Tell her I'm not here. You think that's okay? To tell your child? To tell Aunt Sally, who you don't want to talk to, that you are not here, it would be better for you to say, to say, I'm not available, if you're really not available. Now, if you really told what was in your heart, what in your heart would be, I don't want to talk to Aunt Sally. That's what's in your heart, but you won't say that. You just say, tell her that I'm not here. Now, look at me, y'all. I need y'all to look at me. Because I, 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 what I'm trying to do is get us to understand that, that if, we don't, if we're not careful what's in our heart, the stuff that's in our heart is what defiles us, what comes out of us. How many of y'all have, 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 have stretched the truth or, or made someone believe something that really wasn't the truth since you've been born again? Okay. Don't, 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 don't raise your hand. Don't, don't raise your Don't raise your hand. Guys, listen to me. God calls upon us to be men and women of integrity. It's okay to say, Sally, I appreciate that, but I'm, I, I'm not going to do it better to do it today. And you don't really have to go into why. I'm, it depends on where you are in your relationship with her. But, but don't lie about something. Integrity means that I'm going to be truthful. Integrity means that I'm going to treat you fairly. 
Guys, I'm going to tell you something. And integrity means that I'm not going to assume something just because of how you look. How many of y'all saw the, uh, the Ahmaud Arbery uh, jury decision on this past week? I know most of y'all, if you watched the news, saw that. Uh, and and I'm, I'm thankful that the justice system prevailed in that particular case. But do you not realize that many of us uh, and many uh, the, the talking heads on television, um, when they were watching that trial, um, thought that it was going to go the other way. And you know why they thought it was going to go the other way? Because they were making assumptions that people based on their ethnicity would be not men and women of integrity because of past history, because of what happened in the 60s. And the thing that, 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 that as I saw it and observed it, the prosecuting attorney, if you'll notice, she didn't make a big, big fuss about the racial part of that makeup. Now, the news media was doing it, but what she was doing was, while those other jokers were ceremoniously dismissing folks who, did, who, who, who were of African-American descent from the jury, uh, and they, they, they were thinking that just because of the ethnicity, uh, as long as we got the ethnicity in our favor, it's going to go in our favor. But the, but the prosecuting attorney was carefully discerning who could make an impartial decision. And I thought she did a very keen and, uh, 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 you know, uh, job of saying, okay, you know what? Just because somebody, you know, is of different ethnicity don't mean they, can be, they, can be, they cannot be fair and impartial. And, and see, it's, it's, it is wrong Hear me carefully, just as sure as I'm black and standing here talking, it is just as wrong for you, me, or anybody to make a determination about how, where somebody is and what they think based on what they look like on the outside. And if you're doing that, you are wrong. As a believer, we are called upon to, to build relationship with people and stop being prejudicial and judgmental before we even know a person. You ain't got to clap. I know I'm right about it. But we find ourselves doing that. And what I'm telling you is, if you're doing that, get deeper into God's word. But I thought that was very interesting that, this, that, that when, they, when they selected that jury, she selected people who obviously were able to separate all this other stuff and not allow some of this. And it's, it's, the defense attorney kept trying to bring it to the race issue, kept saying, too many of these black pastors coming up in here. And I, what did that have to do with the tea in China? I don't know, but clearly what he was trying to do was, guys, he was trying to play on the racial issue and thinking that just because someone is Caucasian, they can't be fair. But they were. They examined the facts and made a decision. And it was clear-cut decision. And what I'm telling you is, as a believer, you got to learn how to judge people, not what based on what they look like on the outside. And when you do that, let me tell you something, you are out of the will of God. I got two amens on that, but I, you, you ain't got to back me. I know I'm right about it. Because if the word is true, and if we are the real deal, check and see if you're the real deal. Am I willing to say, I don't care who says what, I'm going to follow God and his word. The Bible says God is not a respecter of persons. In Christ Jesus, and in the Juno Greek, Middle Feet, and Feet, we're all are one in Christ. And God's church has to be the battlefield for truth. God's church has to be the, 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 the city that sits on the hill that shows, amen, how different ethnicities can come together on the common ground of Christ and love one another. The unity that Jesus talked about and prayed about in John 17 is the hallmark for the validity of his ministry here on earth. He says, Father, I pray that they are one like you and I are one. How can you pray, tell me, name the name of Christ and let this old thinking still dominate your mind? All right, let me 
get to Proverbs 28, and I'm going to let you get out of here. We get, we, we got, we're on number two now, right? <laughs> Proverbs 28, 1 through 6. We got to be men and women of integrity. The Bible says the wicked run away when no one is chasing them. Some of y'all are running thinking somebody behind you because you done did something wrong. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Are you willing to speak up for truth even when your family comes against you? Are you willing to stand for truth even when your neighbor, your coworker, maybe some church family member comes against you? So when there is, when there is moral rot within a nation, it's governed this government topples easily. And guys, we better be careful as a country because there's, there's some rotten going on. There's some rot going on when you can't even make a decision on very simple things and you're fighting constantly. He says when there's more rot within a nation, its government topples easily. But wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. Oh, I long for the day when we have wise and knowledgeable leaders in our governmental uh, uh, houses of government. Be a man of integrity and, and speak truth, even if it means they vote you out. Baby, let me tell you something. I may, if I were to win election, I'd probably be a one-term representative. Because I ain't going to lie, and I'm not going to do what's wrong just to get reelected. All right? All right, so... If you, if you have the, the heart to run for politics, and run and be a man and woman of integrity when you do it. Speak true. Now watch this. Next verse. Come on, let's read. This is what? Uh, a poor person who oppresses the poor is like a pounding rain that destroys the crops. Keep reading. Verse 4 says, to reject the law is to praise the wicked. To obey the law is to fight them. Five and six. Evil people don't understand justice. But those who follow the Lord understand completely. Verse 6, it says, better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and rich. That's wisdom from Proverbs. Go to the 20th chapter of Proverbs, verse number 7. Resolve to always be a person of integrity. If you got to cheat to get ahead, then stay behind. If you got to cheat or lie to make the sale as a Christian, then don't make the sale. Go into some, some, some field where you don't have to sell. I mean, every salesman is not crooked, but, but when you lie to make a sale, then that's, that means you're not a man or woman of integrity. Okay? It says, the godly walk with integrity, blessed are their children who follow them. Now, guys, this integrity thing happens in your homes, in your jobs, in your church. How are you? Look at me. How are you when none of us are around you? That's who you are. And so I'm challenging you to look at yourself. Because maybe you're not where you think you are. And all of us, to a certain degree, I think, are not where we think we are. That's why God has to always bring tests to our life. He has to show us where we are. He puts us in situations, even as we saw Daniel and them, they refused to, to, to violate their dietary restrictions. And God honored that by making them still healthy. Okay? And we're going to see some more about Daniel in the coming weeks. One more. Watch this. Proverbs 11, chapter. Verse 1 through 5. And i got to close out. My time is up. Are we the real deal? Daniel was. Proverbs 11, verse 1. The Lord does what? Detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. Next verse. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Verse three. Honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. Riches won't help on the day of judgment, but right living can save you from death. See, you can't take any of the money that you make with you. All the things that you accumulate, when you die, somebody else is going to get it. Be a man of woman integrity. The godly are directed by honesty. The wicked fall beneath their load of sin. So resolve to always be a person of integrity. Daniel was a person of integrity. And we're going to see that unfold 
through some of these coming chapters in the book of Daniel, okay? So we resolve to always, everybody say always, always. be a person of integrity. Jesus Christ, our Lord, certainly was a person of integrity. Jesus died a sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary so that you and I could come into a personal relationship with the God who created the heavens and earth. Jesus gave his very life so that we could commune with the holy God. Are you a person of integrity? Honor, respect. That's what God is looking for us to do as we operate under kingdom principle. Every head bowed, every eye closed.